you know, it, it's funny because when you have competition and things like that for kids, it took me back a little. And I remember when I, we won competition, when we were like lambs of the spirit or spirit express, we got promised SeaWorld tickets and we never got those. So when I go to uh, General Assembly, I'm going to be asking Tim Hill about my SeaWorld tickets because we won fair and square. It was a beautiful thing to watch so many kids worshiping God in so many ways yesterday and not just performing. I'll be honest, you know, with my daughter, Ella, on the way down, she's like, and with the prize money, I have plans. I'm like, prize money? <laughs> I don't know. She's been watching American Idol or something, but she's got a nice necklace. that will probably turn her neck green, but it is what it is. I have a question to start this out today. When was the last time that you experienced joy? When was the last time? I want to dig in today to the book of James. I have been reading this week, and my intention was to dig into James, to just go with it. Do you know how far I got? Four verses. But I just kept digging in those four verses. This book of James, from start to finish... It talks about how people who believe in Jesus, how their character should look, how their behavior should look. It is a book that is about belief that behaves. It was written during a time when Christianity was hated by many. Similar to a time like now. When people wanted nothing more than to snuff Christianity out. And so you have this man, James, and something that I am a firm believer in is you can learn a lot about a person during the introduction. There are people that I know, and I always tell my wife, as a pastor, when I am with other pastors, I try to think, like, God, let this be the kind of church because ministry can hurt sometimes. Let it be the kind of church that if someone else wanted to come be a part of that church, if they're a pastor from someone else, that they would have faith that, that I have a pastor's heart that they want to come here. That they would have faith that this is a body of believers that embraces other people. That it would be a place of healing. That it would be a place where we could come together. And so James, this kind of handshake thing, like, hi, I'm James. And, you know, you wrote a book in the Bible, you'd introduce yourself. And he says something here which is wild. There are a lot of times in life you can meet people and they will lead with their title, their accomplishment, their education. I've run into people in ministry that are so about their title they can't work with other people. You've met people like that, the check me out, make way kind of people. James was known as James the Just. It is said by theologians that James spent so much time praying that his knees were calloused. Just if you saw him, be like, oh, there's James with the callous knees. His intro is this, I am James, I'm a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what's wild is this man, James, he could have name dropped because he was the half-brother of Jesus. If anyone could have name dropped, it could have been him. He's in a society that was heavily influenced by the Greeks. The Greeks were known for being fiercely about their freedom. Similar to times that we live in right now. Like all these Greeks would be rolling around with a don't tread on me bumper sticker, huh? 
So this guy, he introduces himself as a bond servant. Not a word that we throw around a whole lot anymore. But it is a person who makes themselves a slave to another, and it is a permanent relationship of servitude. So when he introduces himself as a bondservant in a society that values freedom so much, in a way he's degrading himself, they think. Like, oh, James. But what he wanted to come out with was this isn't a hobby. This isn't just something that I do every once in a while. It is a lifestyle. It's the way that I live. When he said, I'm a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, it's like we say on the Grammys that you can get up on the stage and you can thank God for winning your Grammy with the parental advisory explicit lyrics thing on it. You can thank God for that, but don't bring up Jesus. You bring up Jesus, that's weird. He just said, not just Jesus, but he said, Lord Jesus. In other words, I am acknowledging that he is Lord right now, right in front of everyone. So before we get into this book, just want you to know who I am and what I'm about. Have you ever felt like you were outnumbered? Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you and your opinion, maybe your walk, your Christianity, you might have felt like the only one. It's really strange when you talk to people and they meet someone at work and they say, oh, and I met a Christian. Almost like, and I saw a unicorn run through the office. The way that they say it, it's just strange to hear it anymore. And so when James writes this, he says, I am this bondservant. I am writing this to the 12 tribes which are scattered. Back then, they felt scattered. Back then, they did not know who was for them and who was against them. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same God that got these people who would meet in homes, who would meet in catacombs, who would meet here and there through their faith can get me through my faith. When was the last time that you experienced joy? When I was writing this, something that came to mind was shortly after we got married, my wife loves Christmas. She's not here today, so I can tell this story however I want. I won't get the stink eye. I won't get the stink eye. Pray for my wife. She has a sinus infection. She has been dragging this around for a month. Uh, yesterday, we were in the car, and she's like, I am sorry, because she's blowing her nose. And I was just like, like <laughs> just like, for better, for worse, for better, for worse. Just, it, whew. But she got this Christmas china when we first got married, right? And I remember she would say to me, don't use the Christmas china. It's for when we have people over. Now, we lived in a house that was as big as a broom closet. We couldn't have had anyone over to our house, really. And we're more paper plate people, to be honest. But the china was reserved. When it comes to joy sometimes, I feel like we can have joy in our life, but we reserve it for those big moments, right? When a child is born, we feel joy. When, when our wedding day, we feel joy. When something stupendous happens, we feel joy. But other than that, we keep it packed away. And it seems like we don't bust out joy unless everything is perfect as we think it should be in the world. James, first chapter, verses 2 through 4 it reads, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, how I see it, 
when everything is lined up exactly as I think it should be. But James comes out with this radical thinking here and says, you as a believer have the freedom to experience joy when the sky is blue or when the rain is falling. He says, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Counting it all joy is faith's response to a time of trial. The Bible doesn't say feel it all joy. It says count it all joy. It goes on to say when you fall into various trials, not if you're going to fall into them. There's this observation that I have as someone in ministry. That often when people commit their lives to Jesus Christ, they believe that they are committing to a life of no problems. And when something happens, they will automatically go and say, how could God let this happen? And it could be anything. It could be the smallest things. It could be the biggest. It could be from stubbing your toe. It could be an accident. It could be anything like that. It's a tendency that we have. Consider it pure joy, one version says. Pure joy. Kind of the no additives, no preservatives, organic market, whatever, Trader Joe's version of joy. James isn't playing. Do you want to know a litmus test when God is trying to do something in your life? The litmus test is, does it make you mad? Honestly. Like when you hear something being preached and it gets under your skin, is your initial reaction like, oh. Or when you're going through a hard time and someone who you know is really tight with God, they're going to pray for you, but then they give you a little advice and you're just like, oh. If it makes you mad, maybe God's trying to say something to you. And so, how many people find joy in trials? You don't have to raise your hand because you'd be lying. We live in a world today where saying find joy in trials, they would look at you and they'd be like, Alan, where's your empathy? Right? Because we're supposed to be empathetic. This isn't a mean man writing this. He's saying when these things come, how are you going to deal with that? Not just experiencing trials, but falling into trials. One of the worst things that happens is when you are sleeping and you have a dream when you're falling. That's the worst my wife, she'll wake me up, what are you doing? She usually yells. Like, you know, just falling off a building. <laughs> no big deal. Thanks for checking. I'll tell you where I am right now, honestly, as a northern Ohioan. I'm done with winter. I'm done with all things winter associated. I'm tired of looking out and thinking, is that snow again? I'm done. I'm done. I... I just can't. I'm having like snowplow issues and just snow issues. Like I just can't. After winter ends, there is a growing season. Let me repeat that. After winter ends, there's a growing season. Fruit is produced during a growing season. James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, check this out. There are times when I study, when I like to go online, I like to, like I'll put a word in, I'll do an image search, because they don't know that I'm a pastor of a church, right? Google doesn't know me, what I'm doing or looking on there. And so check out this patience slide. And some of you are like, it really does, conspiracy theory. No, but like Google doesn't care what pictures I look up, so I'm saying. Here is 
the picture that came up for patience. That isn't what the Bible's talking about. Not at all in this case. I want to dig into that. Patience does not mean a passive waiting like we're staring at an hourglass. Patience means an active endurance. The writers that I was reading, it said that it is that when you are in a marathon and your legs are burning kind of pain, but you press on kind of endurance. That's what patience can look like. It isn't living on the spiritual defense. It's being on the spiritual offense. It's not sitting waiting for things to happen. It is making things happen spiritually because you know who your Jesus is. It's a spiritual gumption that you get inside yourself. It reminds me of when Paul Dwarning and I, we were going to go kayaking, and we went to Hocking Hills. And I've told you this before. We walk up to get the kayaks, and there's all these signs. The river's at flood stage. And we walk past the sign, and we walk up, and they said, you know, river's at flood stage. Only veteran paddlers today. Are you veteran paddlers? I looked at Paul, and like, yes. Never been in a kayak before in my life. (laughs) But there was this gumption, like, we're going. We are going. That is how it can feel in the spiritual, patience-wise. There are going to be times, and that's what I love. I love being surrounded by church family. Because there are times when you're going to look at each other and I'll be like, hey, Kevin, we're going. There's times Kevin's going to look at me and be like, we're going. I need that spiritually. I need people to push me on. There is this instinct that we have when something is on our back. That instinct is to shake it off. You think about this. The the visual I had, this, like, think of that. You ask this bull. You put a cowboy on his back. What's he going to do? That'd be like me riding Nugget, Ty. (laughs) Nugget's a horse that comes up to my knees so everyone knows. But your tendency is to shake things off. I told you that in my mind, I work out three hours a day every day. Part of my working out in my mind plan has been observing others who work out. (laughs) I'm making my way to the gym slowly. Aiden Lanning comes to my house. Aiden Lanning daily will show me videos of how much he is squatting, which is like a small house. And I've learned from watching the videos that it requires patience, right? That you work your way up sometimes, and it requires patience. You don't just get in the squat rack and throw on whatever and do whatever. That's how you get hurt. It requires patience. And in these videos, what's wild about it is that right before Aiden will go to lift, he will let out this yell, that he said scares, he's like, it scares the girls that go to the gym. I'm like, well, don't do that, man. Come on. Come on. But patience, when it's talked about in the way James is talking about it, it is this Greek word, hupomene, which I looked that up. That's really how you say it. It comes from two words. The first part of that word means under. The second part means to stay, abide, or remain. And so this word patience that's being talked about, it means to remain under. On social media, I saw something, and it said, it ran in your family until it ran into you. Very motivational, right? 
I think of what we're talking about in the spiritual, that the weight that has been placed on your shoulders has crushed so many people because the devil didn't know the Jesus that you serve. It is time for us to stop getting in this mindset that we are crushed. Maybe we need to turn it on the devil and be like, you're just strengthening me up with what you're piling on because God's with me. Because when Aiden gets in that squat rack, he's not alone. There's somebody standing behind him. You've got this. You've got this. That when Aiden starts to, his leg will maybe be out of line or something. No, no, straighten up. You've got this. That is the Jesus that I serve that stays with me to say, you have this. Imagine letting your shout go before God in this house when you're under the weight of a burden. Now, again, I say this because I have heard people shout. I mean, the other day, I watched the end of, I think it was Talladega. Don't even know why. You know how I am with sports. I'm watching this. I don't even know if it's a sport. And they're like the cars in a circle and all of a sudden somebody wins and everybody's screaming. And I'm just like, I I can't even get excited about it. That's how it can feel in church sometimes. But we can also let our shout out. If God has done something, is there a shout within you that you can let that out? Patience is a frame of mind which endures. It is said that faith is tested during trials. It's not produced during trials. Hmm. A test shows what's in there. I remember when I would be in college, and I would always stress out about taking exams. Always stress out. And I remember that when I would do well on exams, there was one professor in one class, and when I got in my grade, I had said, I didn't think that I could do that. He's like, I knew you could because I told you everything that was going to be on there over the past six weeks. And I think that's the way that God works. He's not testing me so that he can see how much I know. He's not allowing that so that he can figure it out. He's got it figured out. There's times that I need to know. There are times that I need to sit down and I need to know. That old Gatorade commercial, is it in you? Where MJ would sweat Gatorade. Is faith in you? Like, he didn't start a game. I mean, it didn't really happen, but it wasn't like he would start a game and start sweating orange. The idea was he drank so much Gatorade that when he sweated, it came out of him. That's how faith kind of is. When we get in these situations, it doesn't just like, there's faith. Is it in you so that it can come out of you? I watched Larry Bird one time. It was a three-point contest. And the person that was announcing said, oh, he's just a video game right now. He, with three-pointers, just not even looking. What's wild about that? Larry Bird did not learn to play basketball that day of the three-point contest. (laughs) There is faith in you. I think I just need to repeat it for people because we can walk around thinking God is so disappointed in me and I, all I ever see are bad times. No, you know what? Somebody needs to tell you there is faith in you. You're going to make it. You've got this and God's got you. What you're up against, he's not scared of. It's in you. It is in you. Count it all joy. 
The trial does not produce the faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more I read it, the more it gets in here. The more I live according to it, the more it gets in here. The more that I quote it, one of my backs against the wall, the more it gets in here. As you get older, the blows that come may not be any softer, but there is a familiarity to pick up that shield of faith. When that word is preached, when it is read, when it is memorized, when the chips are down, when you feel like there's a brick sitting on your chest, you speak the word of God. You live the word of God. You walk out the word of God. James tells us that even in the darkest of places, there is the ability in a believer's life for seeds of patience to grow. I have met people that I would consider psychic grumblers. Like they start complaining before the problem even appears. They don't even know what they're complaining about. They just complain. James is saying here that patience isn't a given. Just because you're a believer, patience is not a given. You level up in patience when you put God first in the trial. If you spend your time grumbling and doubting, you roll backward. When we come up against it, our tendency in the flesh is to grumble about it. This flesh does not want to do the God thing. I need to let the God thing override this flesh. And that's tough to do. Patience can have a perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You cannot rush perfection. Only a crazy person would applaud difficulty. That's just weird. God isn't in this mind game business where he's trying to get you to think that down is up and up is down and good is bad. No, he's not trying to do that. What he's trying to do is to say, in this moment, in this day, with what you are facing, are you living your entire life for Jesus? Living for my sake or living for his sake? James, maturity says to lean into Jesus. How many of you who have walked with Christ for years do you run into things and it's difficult for you to lean into Jesus? It is. And what's wild is like we tell kids, count your blessings. I can count all of these things that God has done for me and then I come up against something and it's like the first problem I've ever had. I need to remind this heart, no, this is the way that God says it rolls and this is how we're going to roll. There's that kid's song, I've got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Not, not on my face, right? Like, here's the deal. Joy and happiness aren't the same thing. I believe that following Jesus, like I'm just going to... Yesterday, there were some kids who sang for Jesus that did not win, that were not like... They weren't happy, some of them. 
we get in this thing and we start to confuse the joy and the happiness. The longer that I walk with God, the more that I understand I may not be beaming every second of the day. That my happiness from my perspective is rooted in circumstance. That's how I've always seen it. When I perceive something good, that happiness will bubble up out of me. But joy is a state of being. It's an anchor of contentment. Philippians 4.11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. It is a deep, steady, and unadulterated, thankful trust in my God. As we said, not that I speak in respect of want. I'm not going to stand here and say what I don't have. I'm going to stand here and say what God has given me. I am done, and I told you last week, I am done looking at all the things that I may not have. There are churches around here that have been around for a relatively short amount of time, and I'm like, man, I wish I had those lights they have on their stage. That's how weird it gets when you pastor. That's the kind of things you do on Monday. Do you think God's like, oh, if Christian life would get those lights, I would let revival fire fall? (laughs) I don't think he does. Joy is that constant whisper that God has got this situation as well. God has got this one, just like the things you have thanked him for before, he has got this one. Dan Jones, camp legend, used to say, but the sun will still shine in the morning. More fun. When the trials come, are you able to say, yeah, I'm a bondservant? I'm a bondservant to Jesus Christ. When thing and trouble comes your way and you don't have the answers for it, are you able to say, yeah, I'm just a bondservant. You're going to need to take that up with my boss. Joy is not tied to emotion. It's tied to that deep place in my heart that God has redeemed. The old heart saw it from my perspective, but this new heart, this Psalm 51 heart, the Bible says that it has been created clean, created me a clean heart. So if my God has created a clean heart, it's going to see it a different way. If this spirit in me has been renewed, then it's going to see it a different way. My faith doesn't rest on human wisdom anymore, but on God's power. I'm going to be closing. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that I have the mind of Christ. That helps with decision-making. That helps me see things the way that it should be. This mind has been renewed, according to Romans 12, too. The old man saw a problem, sized it up, and gave up. Saw the worst. In myself, I am glass, not even half empty. I'm like quarter of a glass and backwash in that. The new mind, the mind of Christ, is one that lives for the sake of Jesus. It allows me to consider, as James says, what's going on and to see Jesus on the other side of it. It provides those things that I want to see in my walk to come to life, and it takes me even deeper in Jesus. As I've been praying, as I've been transparent and sharing, over the past few weeks. One of the keys, and you'll hear me say it every week, is consistency. Often my daughter will refer to Jess worshiping. 
So when she's in here and worship's going on, she wants to emulate that heart. If Jess was hit and miss on being here, my daughter would not have the privilege of soaking that in. I can point to a thousand things. We live in a society where so many boys stay boys and just grow up to be broken boys in the place of men. It happens outside of the church as much as inside. Spiritually, the boys need to see us stay on the wall. The boys need to see us make decisions that sometimes hurt me because I want to do something different. But I'm doing it for God. They need to see when good people go through tough things. It's a beautiful thing to weep with the people of God. It's a beautiful thing to celebrate. And one of the most beautiful things is when you stand here and you look out and you see hands raised in a congregation and you know the sacrifice of those hands going up in that moment. For us to grow as a church, it's going to take individual maturity. It's going to take pushing each other along. I can't bear your burden if I don't know your burden. You come to me and say, pray for me. For what? Stub toe? You know, like, I don't know. But if you're real with me, then I know what to carry. So if you'll stand, I want to pray. My prayer is this, God, take us deeper. And take us deeper together. If you bow your heads. Father, right now, I thank you for the privilege of being in this house. I thank you for the sweet worship that goes up. And Father, I thank you for every person who is a part of this family. Lord, I pray that you would whisper to our hearts individually, telling us what consistency looks like, who you're wanting us to pass that mantle off to so they can feel that same anointing. And Lord, I pray that we would never shrink back from the places that you are calling us. You are a great God, and I'm ready to see those great things in this house. In the matchless name of Jesus, I pray, amen.